Are you ready, ladies? Stand tall. Straighten those crowns and show them what you're made of. You're listening to the Farm Queen Podcast. So this week we have Lizzie joining us as our new queen, nominated by last week's Vermicompost Queen Tina. Lizzie has the coolest farm name of Dizzy Lizzie's farm. I love it. Um, And I think that that's going to be a little clue into kind of who she is. She likes to have fun. So she has a neat farm with, uh, it's a lot of organic stuff. We've got spices, produce, blueberries. She's got a plant CSA. She's got all sorts of cool stuff going on. Um, And she's someone who just clearly puts a lot of time, energy, effort, all of it into growing her farm and her business, looking for the next way to make it better. Um, And just, I'll let her do the introduction for herself. You'll get to know why she was nominated. It becomes clear. Lizzie, welcome. We are so happy to have you here today. Thank you. So could you introduce yourself in your own words, of course, Um, tell us about yourself and your farm, what you raise and such um be as specific as you like or not how long you've been at it what a day in the life looks like that sort of thing um my name is elizabeth blackburn um i never thought i'd be farming i'm from california actually southern california um but when i moved back to the area i wanted a lot of land um because i was sick of having neighbors um, cause it's one thing you have and there's always disputes and stuff. So my husband and I found a, a place that had, um, a lot of land. Um, and originally, um, farming wasn't in the description of what our lives were going to look like, but then I got pregnant and I didn't want to go back to work, which is actually the biggest joke. Um, because I started a farm and from there, I've grown significantly, and it has become a job. And um, from that perspective, that's where we all sort of started. Um, because I wanted to do something for my daughter, we became certified organic as soon as we could, and um, did a lot of things for her, um, like blueberry bushes, while they're profitable. Um, they're also something she enjoys a lot. Um, and so I feel like I'm building something hopefully for her and giving her a lot of good experiences um, along the way. Um, I have been farming now. This is going to be our 10th year doing this. Um, I uh, do all sorts of vegetables. Um, originally we were just going to be a vegetable and flower farm. And then I got into, um, the value added segment, which is basically using stuff from our farm to create new product. And that all started because we were throwing away a lot of what we were producing so that I just couldn't stand it. Uh, I think it was the garlic scapes or where we started with it. And we were throwing away thousands of pounds of garlic scapes 
So now from there, I created a garlic, garlic scape pesto, a frozen garlic scape pesto. And then I have a problem of just wanting to do one thing. So I like to do lots of varieties. And so now we have six different varieties of our garlic scape pesto. Um, we got into plants, I can't remember what year, but we didn't ever have anything in May um, for the first markets when we were there. And so in order to have a market for it, we started doing plants and added that into our sort of um, agenda of things that we had. And in the beginning, it was just sort of a mild little, okay, we have a few plants, but then it became a bigger enterprise where we are known for our um, plant starts. We offer customers, I think this year, over 40 different varieties of tomatoes, pretty much the same for peppers. Um, we do eggplants and herbs. Um, we're amping it up because we have now, we just put in two new hoop houses last year. Um, and we used to grow in the ground in the greenhouse we use for plant production, but we've just kicked out the in-ground production to expand our plants that we are offering. So there will be a lot more perennials and um, perennial herbs and flowers and annual herbs and flowers um, available as well. So that's very exciting for us. Um, I don't know. I think I answered everything. Oh, what does a live farm day in the farm look like? Um, I can't answer that. Every day is different. Yesterday I was picking tulips um, till midday and then I was back to plants. Um, like when I think about it, I know I have on schedule someday this week to get plastic down in the, the high tunnels to get peppers in the ground and tomatoes in the ground. I know I have plastic in the fields that we still have to pull up. So there's always just trying to figure out which chore needs to be done first so that we can keep them on schedule. Um, and that is pretty much what a day looks like is trying trying to get as much done as we can um, when we can. Yeah, I hear yeah. you. It's the same over here of make a list and then it's like, mm, that's not really number one. Try that one, number one. And then what you thought was number one today is actually number three tomorrow. <laughs> it's, it's also hard because like today I thought I was going to have a full staff here um, helping out. And one's home business, or one's home because their kid is sick. And so that plan of, okay, we're going to catch up on all this goes through the window because you don't have access. So it kind of changes plans and you have to renegotiate. So why you're constantly doing that. And then this is all indoor work. So it's pretty easy to adjust and do it. But if you're planning on pulling plastic, that one's a little easier. But if you're planning on planting potatoes on a certain day um and then of course then you're you know can't plant that day um so trying to rearrange to meet the weathers it also is a tremendously hard okay um so you were talking about uh you know adding in like the value add products and something as simple as saying hey you know we grow fruits and veggies but like why don't we sell the plants so that we have a product that we can sell a little bit sooner in the year. You know, May is obviously not exactly harvest season for most of New York for most things. So what, um, how has that changed how you have to kind of balance everything 
because, you know, I think a lot of farmers are, are in the CSA kind of realm thinking of, well, we got to start the, start the seeds. We have to start the plants, get them in the ground by May so that they're ready to go for harvesting. But you've obviously got a shifted timeline for something like that. So how has that affected, like, I'll call it winter downtime or? I think we were always starting plants around March 15th. So that's my, like, for tomatoes and stuff. Because if you're going to have anything at market, you're, you need to start that early. So because we have this incredibly horrible weather, if you ask me, like I said, I'm from Southern California. Um, I don't go out much winter time. Um, you have to start earlier to get that product. And so I didn't start any earlier. And in fact, we finally have a heater and I'm considering starting even earlier than that next year. Um, but what did change is the number and the volume of plants that we grow. So that would be is instead of going from, you know, growing like 15 for myself or whatever. I mean, I hardly, I went from growing a thousand tomatoes in my field to now we only grow to 90 tomatoes every single year. Um, because I do it under cover because I cannot take getting late light anymore. Um, so I'm very controlled about that. But having said that, um, I, mean, I still grow thousands and thousands of tomatoes in the greenhouse because I'm going to sell them. So I guess I wasn't growing originally 15 tomatoes. But um, <laughs> I, I, nothing's really changed that much when it when it's court for that. I do look for certain varieties. Um, I do grow things I don't even care about growing, like cucumbers, um, broccoli, cauliflower. I grow, I start those for customers because there, there's a lot more work to put into them. Um, when it comes to fresh vegetables, we know our specialty and what we're good at. So we only do, not only, but we specialize in like doing our pepper varieties, um, our squash, um, and potatoes. And so those are what we now focus on. Um, whereas at one time we were trying to do um and eventually we're just like, I'm going to leave it to other farms that do it much better. So I know you had Hartwood on here. We are at the farmer's market at them. I know they, they used to do a killer eggplant. Um, I grow some eggplant, but like if, I mean, if somebody's looking for them, I know to send it to them because that's what they do well. And so I don't try to compete where I'm never going to be able to create something um, that is marketable. And I don't even know if that answered your question. <laughs> no, I think you did. I think you did. I think that makes sense to, to, like you said, your very last statement of, you know, always be creating something that's, that's marketable. Um, and just, I think it's just a very different approach um, because so many people in the CSA realm are, are just looking at how do I expand and how do I add more types of vegetables or more varieties of tomatoes, like you said. And I, I think the whole idea of like, well, just, start more seeds but sell the plants and it's it's just an offset of timing and it's just a huge difference and things like um you said like with the garlic scapes that it's like well why are we wasting them why not find a way to make something out of them and I mean I've been looking on your website and like 
everybody needs to go look at your website because this is the most creative thing I've ever seen that like there's there's spice gift boxes on here um there's a like a subscription what is this bi-monthly subscription for the spices I think my favorite I hope you still have it I don't see a price I hope it's not like discontinued but the garlic mashed potato gift box so that that, that, <laughs> that is was um unfortunately we're out of potatoes right now so that will come back in um once potato season starts um and be available again it was a huge hit this year and that happens to be one of my favorite things that we've come out with i have to love garlic mashed potatoes and when i first met my husband i met him i should say when we reconnected um because we did go to college together um but i came to visit him and we went to visit his sister and it was thanksgiving and the big joke was I'm a vegetarian and she fed, fed me the mashed potatoes that were in a box. And I had never, ever had those before. And so uh, for a vegetarian, mashed potatoes are a huge deal. And so I was sitting last season, I thought, wouldn't it be cool to get five pounds of potatoes and, um, you know, our garlic powder and the recipe. And I have to say, the recipe we came up with was the best I've ever had for my potatoes. And it, I get promoted that. I loved it. I thought it was fun. So hopefully in August, when our potatoes are ready, we'll start it again. Yeah, for anybody who hasn't seen it on the website, it's it caught my eye because it's literally a picture of a box and it's full of potatoes with a little jar of seasoning up in the corner. And if that's not one of the most creative value add farm products I've ever seen, I don't know what is. <laughs> um, another the, the, the big thing about the potatoes is we do over 20 varieties of them. So oh, yeah. I don't know what pictures on there anymore, but it doesn't have to be just like a yellow, white, red. Um, we do mix boxes with them um, just because of the fun. You know, like my favorite thing is to do for potato salad, do a red, white, and a blue. Um, and then you just have a patriotic thing about it. That's so fun. Oh my gosh. You've just opened up a whole new avenue for so many people of like, oh my gosh, we can we can sell potato kits, which sounds like so, I don't even know. It just sounds so basic and so simple and like nobody's going to want to buy a box of potatoes, but it's like, yeah, they're, they're going to want to like people eat potatoes. So why wouldn't you add a little something to it and genius it really is so I did want to ask you a little bit more about some of the fun things that you do in my opinion fun things you have a plant CSA that I would love to hear more about so we finally got it online which has taken a long time um so the way the plant CSA works is we start orders I think in about January um and we do cutoffs until April 15, I think we let it go a little further. Um, and generally, I'm not strict. So if you call me, I'd probably um, put you through the order. And we give discounted pricing on all of our plants. And you get to pre order your garden um, based upon what we have um, ahead of time. And um, generally, if a customer Maybe a little known fact, but um, generally the customer is looking for a specialty item, such as I've had customers who want a certain type of squash. If they get me in December, I consider it a pre-order 
and I will grow for them that variety exactly what they want. Um, but the whole idea was to custom make your garden with it, whatever you wanted, and having that choice and not going into a store and having the time, because I know we have an obscene amount of varieties that some people get very overwhelmed with, but still having the variety. Um, so you can go and sort of research and take the time to think about your garden and not being overwhelmed when you're at a store. Um, and that's how it all started was to be a traditional, not to be a non-traditional CSA in the sense that we are giving you that discount, we're allowing you to choose and um, to enjoy your garden um, and the fruits of your labor. Um, and one other thing was that there are a lot of people out there that like to start their plants and there's some that don't, but they do want a garden. Um, and that this gives them the ability to have a garden with sturdy and stabilized and nice plants. And in fact, I think half the time, especially with tomatoes, my customers do better with them than I actually do myself. Um, so that makes me happy um, when they come see me in about August, September, and they're their tomatoes are still going in from the effect. So, I mean, that is really why. That's really cool. I like the idea that, um, like you said, you kind of get to know what goes into your garden and you mentioned offering a little bit less variety maybe for it. And I think that that is a huge thing because, you know, yeah, I go to my plant nursery now and then to go get some plants when I don't have time to start seeds. And it's like, what exactly is the difference between, you know, these You'll see like, I don't even know what they are. There's like the burpee big boy and then there's the big boy hybrid. And then there's the, I don't know, there's like a, a something boy that's like it. And it's like, just give me a tomato. Like, just tell me like, this is a salad tomato. This is a cherry tomato, you know, just simple stuff. But yeah, that's a great idea though, to do it that way. Um, would you be able to tell us a little bit more about your wholesale area on your website? I'm curious what that is. So um, we are trying to get into more stores, um, and that is basically for um, retailers, if that be the right word, um, who want to carry our stuff. We are trying to get it in um, pretty much in small stores, in the boutique stores for, um, for spices and jams and stuff like that, and candy peppers. Um, so that more people can take advantage of it without having to pay shipping and other prop things like that. Um, so that would be where the wholesale realm is if you do want to carry our products. Um, feel free to go there, contact us. Um, we do consider wholesaling the plants, but it, that is not part of the page yet. So it would be something more where you directly contact us. Um, and if we couldn't do it this year, it is something where we, once again, if we know about it, we can start plants earlier and have that at way um, to grow them for you. So I guess, and it may be a problem or not, is we are really worried about really working for customers so that they're happy. So what is it that made you think of, um, not think of, but what is it that made you go towards this concept of having a wholesale offering? I think we were, we are really trying to increase our spice production um, or our spice sales. And um, in order 
to get it out there, we want to get into the stores. So we wanted to wholesale them. And that that was really the reason this because I can't um well no, that's not true. The hope is that I can be, you know, without within throughout the whole 50 states. Um, but it's just trying to get into everybody's home. And one of the ways of doing that is to get into stores. You know, we're still working on trying to get into those growing New York stores at the um, throughways. Um, we're hoping to eventually be there. And, and I think it's just getting name recognition. And um, I think people will love us once they try us. And so that that was really the equation, just trying to get into more places, more people's eyes. Yeah, I think um, in terms of in terms of undertaking, what is that? What does that do to change like a day for you guys? Like, you know, you're obviously growing and producing at a pretty darn high volume, I assume, before you make the decision of like, hey, maybe we should go wholesale. It's not like, you know, you have 10 customers and then just decide to go wholesale one day. So you're already, you know, you're already way up there in terms of your production. But as as far as like what you have to do as far as um, you know, selling to a customer and filling customer orders versus I'm imagining, you know, you're, you're creating a much larger, we'll call it box of product to be ready to go, you know, well in advance, I assume of when it's sold, because you're not going to want to wait necessarily until somebody orders like 20,000 jars of spices, because then that's a huge, huge undertaking. You know what I mean? So how does that change, um, like forecasting and prep for? So originally our goal was to find two, two big wholesalers. I think at this point we're those small boutique stores, they do not have the volume. They're not gonna come immediately to you and start buying hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bottles. So they'll probably buy a couple cases at a time. I mean, while I would love for them to buy hundreds, um, I don't worry at this point about that huge increased volume. It's if I took on a wholesaler like Walmart or Amazon, um, then I might be more concerned because I don't know if I could live up to the volume because we are still small. Um, in order to do that, I probably need a couple hundred more acres um, and peppers and stuff like that to be able, and garlic, to be able to reduce the necessity that I'm sure those two sellers really would want. Um, so we're still in this like toddler stage or growing stage um, where we can make it to boutique small stores and supply them with what they need. Um, but we probably couldn't do like you're saying 20,000 bottles um, yet. But that is our, my goal and I hope that we um, get there. I think that's a great goal to have. And along with all of that, as if this woman doesn't work enough <laughs> as it is, she's actually certified organic. So why was it important to you guys to go that route to be certified organic? Um, and then tell us a little bit about what it takes to maintain that certification. So that goes back to, it was, um, we became certified organic because my daughter, um, I not that we live to it and we should really try to get back to the original goal. Um, 
but I really wanted to raise her eating organic food and a healthy lifestyle and just, um, you know, eating fresh stuff from our, our, our farm and, um, or our land, I guess I should say at the time. And, and that was why the farm started. My daughter was born in 2012 and the farm started in 2013. And so she, she was probably, whether she realized it or not, the main influence um, behind us becoming organic. As to what it does to um, uh, keep the organic standards and everything, I find it as a learning experience every single day. And every time I have an inspector out here, I learn something new. Um, but you're basically not spraying Roundup all over your farm. And, you know, you learn the pesticides that you can use and that you don't use. You, we try not to use that much. Um, but we still have to cave. I mean, the we wouldn't have one potato if we didn't treat them. Um, and we try to be proactive with our squash bugs, but we haven't figured out a solution to that by cleaning up plants and stuff like that. But other than that, you know, I don't think there, and there is a substantial difference. A lot of the, like our neighboring farm, he's spraying all the time. Um, we're not spraying all the time. We're, we're taking care of our plants. Uh, we're trying to, you know, have them eat, I don't know, use natural stuff um, and make them healthy and have good products. Is there um, like soil samples and stuff that they have to take every so often to make like to make sure that you don't have any chemical residues that aren't permitted on the organic or like how do they verify can. other than just saying it? Um, they can't really verify. I'm trying to think on that one. I think they can ask you to do soil testing if they want you to. You are not required on a any sort of basis, as far as my knowledge goes. That, like I said, I find out new things all the time. Um, I've never had or been required to do a soil test, uh, so in that way, they are quite trusting. We also don't have um, we don't have a lot of farms near us. Um, we have a small home gardener near us, and I'm sure he's raised because that's just him. And we have one other farmer, true farmer on the other side of us, but his land is not very close to ours. So the, the residual spray wouldn't really contaminate our product. But I guess if you are an untrustworthy person and you wanted to spray and still have certification and fill out the forms, you probably could get away with it. We do not. I'm, I'm very... <laughs> Not very good at that whole lying thing. Um, so we we just don't. But I, I don't know what their recourse is if you know they catch you doing something. They do have um, what is it called? Surprise inspections um, for farms. So if they really wanted to catch you, I'm sure they could. So given all of that, I think very thorough impression of why you farm and your passion for it and everything 
we're going to switch gears just a little bit. And I want to know how it felt when you got the crown this week. Um, well, I love Tina very, very much. Um, so I think it felt very, very good. I like, uh, I respect Tina so, so much that, um, getting it from a woman that I find that, uh, skilled and talented, it's a a great honor. I would agree. We love talking with her last week meeting. And like I said, in the, in the interview, she's first worm farmer that I've met. So it's amazing how in the last week I've like noticed worms more <laughs> around the farm here. But well, yeah, well, well, her stuff, um, we started using it in our plants. Um, <laughs> I'm no, I'm no scientist. Um, so I don't, and I also don't blend everything evenly, but you can definitely tell the plants that had excessive worm compost in there. Um, because they grow stronger, they grow faster, and the root bases, and this is what she claims on her thing, those roots, we had plants with roots just coming out of our four-inch pots. Um, so it's amazing. All right, well, that's it for the interview. I need to go to the store and get some vermicompost. <laughs> I'm, just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, just make sure to <laughs> Yeah, I, she's a little bit of a drive for me, but it sounds like it's worth it. So being a woman in agriculture, um, and, you know, obviously, you know, a couple others. So as a woman in agriculture, what misconception have you come across as the most common one? I don't know if I, a hard one for me. I think because there are so many talented women, women in my area that have already braved the way. I, I've had it easier, I would say, um, because in our area, they are just, they're very accepting and, um, you know, they, they kind of nice. um, I've only been doing this 10 years and I know there's a lot of people who've been doing it longer and these women already, like they set up the path for me to come in here and made it easier. Um, so I haven't um, had any direct sort of thing. I'm terrible at the equipment, which probably is, um, I know there are women who are mechanics like Trish, I think you have her too. Um, yeah. But that, that makes me sort of fall in the like, uh, with the, um, generalized stigma for it. Um, but I think I've had it easier because these other women break away for me. That's really interesting to have that um, that sense of that kind of the, I'll call them the forerunners around you. That's yeah. definitely a unique, a unique uh, situation to be in. So what is one thing that you wish you could tell your customers about your life as a farm woman? Something that you think they would benefit from knowing? If my customers didn't know me, um, I would say that I really want my customers to be happy. Well, but I think the customers that do know me already know that. Um, I would say that this hasn't been my original dream or where I thought I would be. Um, 
but it is something that I fell into and have actually found a way to make things that I, where I thought it would be happen and that would be like value added. Uh, I had one point had wanted to work uh, or not work, but own my own restaurant. And so one day it hit me when we were doing the value added, how I sort of went full circle. I don't have a restaurant, but I'm still working in a kitchen of some sort, creating new things. And so dreams work their way out in a weird way, I guess. Um, so I'm doing something I never thought I would be doing, but I'm enjoying it, um, doing it. Mm. That's a really interesting thing to, to feel like you've still kind of sort of gone into the realm of what you thought you wanted to do. So I would, I would ask this question that that's gotta be, um, perhaps a little bit less motivating maybe when, like you said, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I'd be a farmer yet. Here I am. So given that, you know, everybody when they're little says, I'm going to be blank when I grow up and you maybe didn't fall into what you thought. Um, what is it that, that keeps you going and doing it then? Because you're obviously, you know, if you said you wanted to have a restaurant, then you're not really doing that. So what makes you keep farming instead? I did want a restaurant, but I wanted to do many things. Farming just wasn't one of them. Um, what motivates me is that I think it was that whole thing of land um, and the piece, like, I acquired the piece of the land and there's something just so peaceful about it. Like sometimes it's nice to have my family here, but sometimes in the summers when it's quiet and the wind is blowing and I'm by myself or I'm up at five o'clock working by myself, there is some sort of peace in that. Um, I've had like, we have roaming turkeys, wild turkeys that, you know, they become like your friends even though you know someone, <laughs> they may not be there the next time or just, you know, enjoying the, the view of the deer, you know, they do come and eat your crops. Um, but there's something so peaceful in that sort of nature. And so I, I, I have that aspect where I love doing it. I love um, working in the soil, seeing things grow from nothing. And even though it's really hard work, that like finished product and seeing how you've gone through, you know, it starts with a seed. That seed becomes a plant. That plant produces your peppers. Those peppers be turned into my spices. Um, it's amazing. Um, and, and that's kind of, you know, what drives you is to that point. And there's also the point when that product gets hands up off to somebody else, like your customer, and just how happy they are. I think I really feed off of that, like positivity, positive energy a lot. And um, getting feedback that's great is just so, I would say that that is a, a huge motivation. It's just so awe-inspiring. And that the feeling like, you know, You've done something really good. Yeah, that makes sense. It sounds like, is it is it fair to say that you kind of just kind of focus on finding yourself in the process more than like looking at the process? 
Like when you describe watching something grow and like realizing that you started this from a seed and then, you know, here I am in the next step, look what I'm turning it into. Does that sound right? Yeah. I mean, I, you're, you're always moving with the sort of the momentum of the plants and so, or the, the farm. And yeah, it is great. It's, it's great to look out and to see. It took forever for our blueberry bushes to be viable and have customers. And so now they're viable. We, we um, have blueberries and then the blueberries bring customers. And so once again, it ends with that customer. Um, so yeah, a whole process. Really like that. That you're you're getting your boost from the emotional results in your customers. That's very, very, very cool way to put it. So for everybody who's super excited to come find your farm and pick your blueberries and get their uh get their hands on a mashed potato box when it's ready. <laughs> <laughs> Where is the best place for people to find you and follow you and your farm? Um, we are mostly on our farm, um, unfortunately. At this point, I have to say that. So um, our website uh, has everything that we offer. Um, we um, also can be found at the Casanova Farmer's Market. We're hoping to do the Duet Farmer's Market this year. I believe that's what it is. Um, we will be doing two wine festivals this year. Um, it's the Utica Wine Festival at the zoo. And the, um, I think there's one in, I think, gosh, Adirondack um, Wine Festival. So those are two new things for us. And then um, 20 East carries some of our products. And Perry's carries some in Hamilton. And hopefully um, we will have more places in the future because that is what we're working towards. Nice. And how about social media? Do you have like a Facebook page or anything people can find you? We, so don't get confused. Facebook decided not to like us last year. And so we had to start a new page. So it's um, the Disease Farm LLC page. Um, because unfortunately they won't take down the old page. Um, so find us on Facebook. We are also on Instagram. We are on some other social media outlets, but we are not very active yet and are trying to work and get better at that. Um, so we're really we're on Facebook, Instagram, and we do have a newsletter that we put out uh, occasionally too. Okay. So for any future farm queens that are listening, what do you have for them as your, like your last motivational, inspirational thing to say to them? Just keep doing what you're doing. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support our podcast by clicking the link in the description, by subscribing through your favorite podcast app, and by following us on your favorite social media platform. 